Welcome to Dissect, long-form musical analysis broken into short, digestible episodes. I'm your host, Cole Kushner. Today, we continue our serialized examination of Tapimpa Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar, with part two of The Black or the Berry. If you haven't heard part one, I strongly consider stopping the show now and listening to that episode first. There, we combed through the song's lyrics and laid out the dynamic contrast of Kendrick's double consciousness and conflicting feelings about his black identity. We heard how Trayvon Martin's tragic death sparked an internal frustration and anxiety that expressed itself as an external assault on contemporary American society, specifically white America. I'm the biggest hypocrite in 2015. Once I finish this witness, this will convey just what I mean. Been feeling this way since I was 16. Came to my senses. You never liked this anyway. Fuck your friendship. I meant it. I'm African American. I'm African. I'm black as the moon. Heritage of a small village. Part of my residence. Came from the bottom of mankind. My hair is nappy. My dick is big. My nose is round and wide. You hate me, don't you? You hate my people. Your plan is to terminate my culture. You're fucking evil. I want you to recognize that I'm a proud monkey. You vandalize my perception. While the majority of the song works to expose the consequences of historic oppression of the black community by holding a mirror to contemporary American society, in the last half of the third verse, Kendrick turns that mirror around on himself. So no matter how much I say I like to preach with the Panthers or tell Georgia State Marcus Garvey got all the answers or try to celebrate February like it's my B-Day or eat watermelon chicken and Kool-Aid on weekdays or jump high enough to get Michael Jordan endorsements or watch BET because urban support is important. So why did I weep when Trayvon Martin was in the street when gang banging make me kill a nigga blacker than me? Hypocrite. In a now somewhat infamous line, Kendrick says, So how can I weep when Trayvon Martin was in the street? When gang baby make me kill an N-word blacker than me. Hypocrite. The enormity of the moment is accentuated by a full-on musical implosion. The hostile boom-bat drums become an airy ride cymbal and whispering snare taps over which lay gentle melodic proddings of a keyboard and distant vocals. It's thinking music. It gives us a chance to contemplate what we just experienced. There's undoubtedly a lot to unpack in The Black or the Berry. But before we dive into any thematic interpretations, let's first talk about the linguistic triumph Kendrick pulls off. Kendrick sprinkles a healthy dose of foreshadowing over each of the song's three verses, stating, I'm the biggest hypocrite of 2015. He doesn't elaborate. Rather, he says, once I finish this, witnesses will convey just what I mean. We're left in mystery and wonder for the majority of the piece. With his final line, Kendrick snaps the song into place, or perhaps out of place, finally revealing why he considers himself to be a hypocrite. He questions how he can mourn the loss of a black man when he himself has killed a black man in the name of gangbanging. It's a masterful dramatic touch, this setup and payoff, tension and release. It's a technique that's been employed by a number of notable hip-hop artists, perhaps most famously in Common Sense's 1994 classic, I Used to Love Her. In it, Common describes falling in love with the girl when he was younger, 
and how over time the two grew apart because of the girl's ever-changing identity. In the song's dramatic conclusion, Common reveals he's not actually speaking about a girl, but rather hip hop. The technique is incredibly impactful. It causes the listener to rewind and re-examine in detail everything they just heard. It lends a heaviness and complexity that would not otherwise have been there. On The Black of the Berry, Kendrick's use of the linguistic technique achieves a similar yet arguably more dramatic effect than I Used to Love Her, due to the sensitive nature of the subject matter and Kendrick's unnerving intensity. There seems to be no avoiding some type of emotional reaction. It can leave you stunned, confused, reflective, curious, or all of the above. It can also leave you incredibly pissed off. Oh yeah, about that. The Blacker the Berry was To Pippa Butterfly's second single, put out one month prior to the album's full release. As you can imagine, the song instantaneously created massive buzz. It seemed everyone had an opinion. Some named it a contemporary masterpiece, others disagreed with what they perceived to be the song's message. Others still were disgusted and enraged by the piece. The detractors mainly interpreted the piece as preaching respectability politics. In short, respectability politics is the idea that the problems of the black community are the fault of the black community. That by adopting a certain lifestyle and cultural identity, black people could excavate themselves from racial discrimination. At its best, respectability politics comes from a good place and encourages the black community to rise above prejudice by being a good person and leading by example. At its worst, respectability politics ignores contemporary racism and the residual effects of a country constructed on blatantly racist policies and practices. In this way, some felt the black of the berry was preachy. Some felt Kendrick was saying black lives matter, but what about black on black crime? Some felt Kendrick was missing the history behind the state of black America. Some felt it was a conversational sleight of hand similar to something you'd hear on Fox News. Some felt that Kendrick was missing the point. To compound the issue, The Blacker the Berry came off the heels of an interview Kendrick did with Billboard magazine, in which he stated, quote, I wish somebody would look in our neighborhood knowing that it's already a situation, mentally, where it's fucked up. What happened to Michael Brown should have never happened, never. But when we don't have respect for ourselves, how do we expect them to respect us? It starts from within. Don't start with just a rally. Don't start from looting. It starts from within. This quote set ablaze certain segments of the hip-hop and black community. Most notably, musician Azalea Banks fired a chain of comments on Twitter. She said, quote, When we don't respect ourselves, how can we expect them to respect us? Dumbest shit I've ever heard a black man say. LOL. Do you know about the generational effects of poverty, racism, and discrimination? There are things in society that benefit a select few of us, fine. But don't put down the rest by saying they don't respect themselves. 
How dare you open your face to a white publication and tell them that we don't respect ourselves. Speak for your fucking self. Before we hear Kendrick's response to his critics, I think we should point out that the public's perception of Kendrick Lamar was much different in February 2015 than it is today. We didn't know Kendrick all that well. To Pimp a Butterfly hadn't been released. We hadn't heard King Kunta or All Right or Complexion. We hadn't watched his historic Grammy performance. We didn't have a sense of his long-term trajectory. Was he a one-album wonder? A 50 cent? The world eagerly awaited his follow-up to confirm his genius or begin detracting it. When the blacker the berry dropped, it only added to the confusion. It perhaps confirmed his genius, but was this going to be the primary tone and messaging? Just what was Kendrick trying to say? To Pimp a Butterfly was released a month later, and we were provided some context to the blacker the berry. It was going to take some time to unpack, but it's clear that there was more going on than first appeared. On his album Media Circuit, publications finally got their chance to ask specifically about the blacker the berry's message. We're going to take a few minutes to let Kendrick tell his side of the story. I talk about murder, I talk about violence, I talk about all of that. But the, the backstory behind it is the consequences for it. Who gives the con- consequences for it? Who's going to pay for these things? Not to glorify it, to educate you on it, to know that it's real. You know, the, these words are powerful. You know, I got homeboys that's dead, that's in prison. And sometimes you get a lot of artists that just glorify that. So these kids look at it. You know, they think it's nothing but cool until they put in a real situation where they back against the wall and it's all over. You know what I'm saying? And uh, for me, that's what separates me as, as an artist. I'm going to give you the gift and I'm going to give you the curse. Yeah, for me, I'm responsible uh, for myself to know what I'm talking about. That's where my responsibility comes, to know 100% what I'm talking about because I'm a witness. Now, you know, it's your choice to listen to it, but it's my responsibility to know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, and to give, always give you both sides of the fence. I can't, I can't just write, I can't come up with an album if it's not from a self-experience in some type of way. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and that's what makes records like Black of the Berry so powerful for me. It's not me pointing at my community, it's me pointing at myself. I don't talk about these things if I, I haven't lived them. And I've hurt people in my life. It's something I still have to think about when I sleep at night. So when you call yourself a hypocrite, what message are you sending to yourself there? The message I'm, I'm sending to myself, I can't change the world until I change myself first. For instance, when Chad was killed, I can't disregard the emotion of me relapsing and feeling the same anger that I felt when I was 16, 17, when I wanted the next family to hurt because you made my family hurt. Them emotions were still running in me, thinking about him being slain like that. Whether I'm a rap star or not, if I still feel like that, then I'm I'm part of the problem rather than the solution. A lot of people get confused in in, in thinking, I'm not going to even say a lot of, a few people think it's just talk and it's just rap. No, these are my experiences. When I say gangbanger made me kill a blacker than me, these are, these are, this is my life that I'm talking about. I'm not, I'm not saying you, you might not even be from the streets. Not, not I mean, every black person is in the yeah, game. Yeah, not in the game. Or has that experience. I'm, you, you, 
this is, I'm not speaking to the community. I'm not speaking of the community. I am the community. Mm -hmm. My homeboys, those are my real homeboys on my album cover. They still over there. Mm -hmm. You know, no matter how much I want to bring them back and, and take them to other places, they, they still embody that. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's them. So when I say these lines, it's for myself. This is therapeutic for myself because I still feel that urge and I still feel that anger and that hatred for this man next door because I got to get a call knowing that somebody around the corner done did this to my partner. I mm -hmm. still feel that. I still feel that hatred. I still feel that, 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 that ill will to want to, 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 to do something. Do you, do you have that in you? Do, you? do you feel like you, you have that in you? All the time. Wow. I've only been in this industry for three, four years. And I can't, I can't forget 20 years of, of me being in, in the city of Compton. So when I say these things, it's therapeutic for me. It's making me remind I need to respect this man because he's a black man, not because of the color that he wearing. That's mm -hmm. what I mean. So I say this all the time for people who take that out of context or, or take anything I say out of context. And I'm not even blaming the magazines. I'm blaming. Mm -hmm the people listening to it or reading it. Know who I am first, understand where I come from before okay. you make any remarks because I've, I've been through a lot and I've seen a lot and it's where good. I come from, we, 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 I've done a lot to, to, to tear down my own community. Wow. So for you to not recognize that and, and see a 100% flip, please learn it. In some ways, the blacker the berry sees Kendrick falling victim to his own skill set. The masterful execution of angst expressed in his voice, the grimy sonic infrastructure of boom bat drums, the hypnotic twisting dark sample, it all adds up to what seems to be a snarling attack on anyone in his way. With all its external hostility, it'd be hard for some to imagine the blacker the berry to be vulnerable, perhaps even an omission. But as we heard in his interviews, Kendrick seems adamant about the black or the berry being very personal and centered around his own experiences. So what if we took Kendrick at his word? What if the last line of the black or the berry isn't hyperbole? What if the black or the berry is a confession? To speculate whether or not the last line of the black or the berry is true, we're going to put on our Sherlock caps and take a look at a few lyrical breadcrumbs Kendrick has placed throughout his discography. Kendrick speaks on murder and gang violence often, but there's a few songs that stand out for their specificity and overlap. First, let's explore when an incident might have occurred. We could find at least two examples of something transformative happening when Kendrick was 16 years old. Here's an excerpt from the song Mad City from the 2013 album Good Kid Mad City. If I told you I killed that nigga at 16, would you believe me? Or see me to be innocent Kendrick you seen in the street with a basketball and some now ladies to eat. If I'm mashing all of my skeletons, would you jump in the seat? Would you say my intelligence now is great relief? And it's safe to say that our next generation... Then there's the opening line of the black or the berry. This is what confuses what I mean. Been feeling this way since I was 16. Came to my senses. You never liked this anyway. Fuck your friendship. I meant it. Of course, we couple that line with the song's conclusion. So why did I weep when Trayvon Martin was in the street? When gang banging make me kill a nigga blacker than me? Hypocrite. Here, we have two references to murder at the specific age of 16. Kendrick's music video for Ignorance is Bliss from Overly Dedicated opens with a scene in which Kendrick visits a friend's grave. 
He's then driven to a house where a handful of men are hanging out front. Kendrick hops out the car and fires a shot at one of the men. As we listen, note for his reference to minivan. Lord forgive me. Kill him way stand and stand over him, shake his hand, then jump back in that minivan. Double back to his black and blam. I ain't backing down for nothing. I'ma back him down like Shaq with this black 223 in my hand. Better pray that this chopper jam like a radio single man. Police radio signal saying that a 187 land on your corner. Coroner's comfort, your mama, mama, he's dead. The next morning, I toasted up with my homies. We drink and smoke marijuana. If you'll remember from our analysis of Good Kid Mad City, Kendrick was known to borrow his mother's minivan. Kendrick was also around 16 years old in Good Kid's narrative. On Absol's outro from the album Section 80, Kendrick again references killing at a young age. Looking around, you ever seen a newborn baby kill a grown man? That's an analogy for the way the world make me react. My innocence been dead, so the next time I talk about my- And now the opening lines of his unreleased collaboration with Lady Gaga, Party Nauseous. Tell my mom it's bad karma, I just killed a man. Tell your auntie, got a part of me if I have my hand. On the song Hole Up, Kendrick speaks of killing two adults at a young age. Tire mark gave you ever this that I'm easily pedaling with the speed of a lightning bolt. As a kid, I killed two adults. I'm too advanced. I live my 20s at two years old. The wiser man. This reference of two appears elsewhere in his repertoire. If you'll remember from our analysis of the song You, Kendrick speaks of depression resting on his heart for two reasons. I know your secrets, nigga. Moose wings is frequent, nigga. I know depression is resting on your heart for two reasons, nigga. I know you and a couple black boys ain't been speaking, nigga. Y'all damn near beefing, I see it, and you're the reason, nigga. And if this bottle could talk. And then there's Kendrick's feature on BJ to the Chicago Kids, His Pain 2 in which Kendrick recounts in reverse chronological order a series of crimes. I don't know why, I don't know why. Yesterday I invaded privacy of a home. The day before that my partner had fronted me a zone. A week before I had loaded bullets inside that chrome. Two weeks before that I shot them bullets and he was gone. A month before that I cursed my mother then slammed the door. Six months before that I hit my woman, she hit the floor. I stormed out then seen a black Honda Accord. The hollow tips missed me then hit that little boy. I don't know. Kendrick opens a verse by mentioning participation in a home invasion. If you'll remember from the art of peer pressure from Good Kid Mad City, Kendrick intimately describes a home invasion. If this is the same incident, it would put Kendrick at age 16, as that was his age on the album's narrative. Kendrick goes on to reference loading bullets and a gun and quote, shot them bullets and he was gone. He describes a scene in which shots were fired at him from a black Honda Accord. They miss Kendrick and hit a little boy. Could this be an outline of the two things resting on Kendrick's heart? One a murder at 16, and the other the killing or injury of a little boy from bullets that were intended for Kendrick? Of course, we may never know for sure. Signs do seem to point to something happening when Kendrick was 16, and as expressed in interviews we heard earlier, He's very adamant that the blacker the berry is about him and his specific experiences. In an interview with the New York Times, Kendrick said in reference to the song, quote, When I speak, I speak for self first. This is my experience. I know where I come from. I know the hurt that I've caused families. These are my demons. So let's for a moment ignore the political and social implications found within the blacker the berry. Let's take Kendrick at his word and view the song from a purely personal standpoint. 
We know Kendrick wrote the sketches of the angst-ridden verses after hearing the news of Trayvon Martin's passing. Like many, he was extremely upset and frustrated. The snarling aggression of the black or the berry is Kendrick's form of a riot. He cathartically unfurls a series of lyrical Molotov cocktails, setting ablaze the U.S. justice system, discriminating police officers, past and present political powers, among others. But if Kendrick did indeed kill someone at 16, as he states in the song's concluding line, I'd assume the weight of that to be unbearable. How could he not, as a caring, introspective human being, then think about what he'd done? How could he not feel like a hypocrite knowing that he also killed a young black man? It's one thing to say systemic racism and historical oppression leads to black-on-black violence. It's another to actually be the product of that history and have to live with its consequences. I don't think it's easy for someone like Kendrick to simply negate his actions, writing himself off as a consequence of historical oppression. He's the one having to live with it every day. As he said, these are his demons. Kendrick may have escaped death or prison, but it would seem his mind is perpetually imprisoned with guilt and depression. And perhaps that's a bigger consequence than we realize. We can cite statistics stating historical oppression does X, Y, and Z. But let's also attempt to empathize with the products of that oppression on a smaller scale, an individual basis, and attempt to understand their feelings, even if you may not agree with them. To write off Kendrick as a preacher of respectability politics is I believe missing the opportunity to understand the psychological complexities of our racial history. Some assume Kendrick was making a political statement, but what if we viewed it instead as an honest first-hand account of the psychological effects and complexities of a product of generational oppression? And what if we reserved our judgment and treated Kendrick's feelings as we would someone living with PTSD? If we take Kendrick at his word, and our speculation about his murder were true, it certainly would explain a lot. His bouts of depression, his survival's guilt, his conflicting internal feelings, his therapeutic release in music, the good persuaded by evil narrative in both Good Kid and Butterfly, his questioning his purpose in the world, his asking God's forgiveness. If all this speculation is true, the blacker the berry, despite its external bravado, might just be Kendrick's most personal and perhaps tragic song he's ever written. Kendrick's personal narrative has been embraced by many as representative of the black narrative. No doubt Kendrick consciously comments on social, political, and historical racial topics. One needs to look no further than his BET awards or Grammy performances for confirmation. But Kendrick perhaps no longer has the luxury of speaking about issues from a purely personal perspective when they tiptoe so closely to contemporary talking points. At minimum, they'll be assumed and interpreted as commentary on the black experience. At most, in the case of Black or the Berry, they'll be assumed by some to be preachy and judgmental. But let's remember Kendrick's words. I'm not speaking for the community. I'm not speaking of the community. I am the community. What I believe Kendrick is saying is that his personal experiences and his feelings and emotions about those experiences are not up for debate. Detractors of the black or the berry are defending the integrity of black people who are products of historic oppression and racism. Kendrick is holding his hand up saying, I am that product. I'm as competent as they come. I didn't go to college. My parents were educated. My father was a hustler. My uncles were gangbangers. I saw my first murder at age five. I've seen more than one dead body. 
I was raised on Section 8 housing and welfare. I dabbled in gangbanging. My close friends were and continue to be killed to this day. Perhaps Kendrick is saying he's allowed to call himself out. He's allowed to think himself a hypocrite. He's allowed to be angry with the world and also angry with himself. He's allowed to have complex feelings about a very complex issue. Because he is the issue. Kendrick is the community. Conclusions The Blacker the Berry is a juggernaut. It's an endless source of conversation and can be viewed through any number of political, racial, and social lenses. We spent nearly double our normal episode time with this track, and we've only scratched the surface. In my approach, I tried to remain true to the premise of this podcast. Remember, our main goal is to dissect Tip of a Butterfly, to do our best to understand its narrative arc, its message, to understand the man behind that message. To do that, I thought we should listen to Kendrick as best we could. His own comments about the black or the berry make clear that it was a very personal song, and so that's the way I chose to view it. Of course, we let the lyrical content guide us through explorations of double consciousness in the U.S. penitentiary system. But at the heart of the song is Kendrick's confession and personal confliction. When viewed this way, it's actually a pretty brave gesture to bear one's internal burden so nakedly. Perhaps more than any other individual song on To Pippa Butterfly, The Black or the Berry expresses the sentiment of the narrative poem's opening line, I remember you as conflicted. Over the course of this album, Kendrick has made great attempts to reconcile his conflicting emotions. He's battled his instinctual attraction to Uncle Sam, the temptations of Lucy, his own depression and guilt, while also feeling prideful about his roots and black identity. Whereas the album's previous song, Complexion, promotes self-love in the face of interracial divisions of colorism, The Blacker the Berry exhibits the challenges of self-love amidst the frustration and anxiety caused by historical oppression, contemporary racism, and in Kendrick's case, the hypocrisy he feels for participating in black-on-black violence. This song, Kendrick's emotional value of self, and the black experience in America, it's all very complicated. Sometimes these complications express themselves in jaunty celebrations like King Kunta, Complexion, and the forthcoming songs You Ain't Gotta Lie and I. Other times, that confliction manifests itself in bleaker songs like The Black or the Berry and You. And sometimes, like the track All Right, it's a bit of both. The common thread among these diverse tracks, and specifically the songs that make up To Pippa Butterfly's fourth act, is a tendency to look inward for solution. In an interview with Rolling Stone, Kendrick outlines the origins of his change from within mentality. Quote, My mom's always told me, how long are you going to play the victim? I can say I'm mad and I hate everything, but nothing really changes until I change myself. So no matter how much bullshit we've been through as a community, I'm strong enough to say fuck that and acknowledge myself and my own struggles. This sentiment, as well as the teachings of Kendrick's mother, will continue on the album's next track, You Ain't Gotta Lie, Mama Said, which we'll thoroughly examine next time on Dissect. Dissect is written and produced by me. If you like what you hear, consider rating Dissect on iTunes or sharing a link to the show on your favorite social media outlet. There's no team behind this podcast, it's just me, and frankly I can use all the help I can get promoting the show. 
If you haven't stopped by the Dissect Public Forum yet, please come say hi. I'd love to continue the discussion of the Black or the Berry there and hear your own thoughts on the song. You can find the forum at dissectpodcast.com. While you're there, don't forget to suggest an album for season two. Again, that's dissectpodcast.com. Oh, and I received some exciting news recently. Dissect was named one of iTunes' best of podcasts for 2016. There's about 200,000 podcasts in the world, and iTunes chose 40. It's quite a shock to say the least. So, thanks iTunes. We've got a few exciting things in store for next week. Talk to you then.